think that it's something that a lot of people lack in business because they have a lack mentality. I do not have a lack mentality. Uh, I have an attitude of gratitude every day of my life. Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 6, Chapter 2, the season about the other side, where we explore all sorts of life experiences that affect the way that we do balloons. The quote at the beginning was Katie Byrne, an amazing balloon artist and businesswoman that I had the privilege of meeting in Twist and Shout 18 and learning in her amazing, highly praised class about pricing so i hope you enjoy her own other side story that affects the way that she does balloons every day of her life here is the interview with katie bern from all about balloons Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and we are here in Las Vegas in Twist and Shout 18, and I have the privilege of meeting and chatting and interviewing the one and only, the king of organics, Katie Byrne. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm great, Zivi. How are you? Oh, man, I'm so excited. Your classes were awesome, and like... Ah, just just my mind blew from the excitement of how you explain things and the way that you made it so clear so thank you so much for all that you share with the in, with the balloon industry can you please tell us a little bit about what type of business you run and what do you do certainly I own allaboutballoons.com which is a national decor agency um, I am basically a deco agent so if somebody in Tuscaloosa Alabama needs a balloon arch they call me and I send it out to my person in Tuscaloosa Alabama And take a little bit off the top for my troubles um, it's a fairly new brand we've only been around for about 14 months and uh, we're growing slowly but steadily and it really allows me to, to tap into my passion for business uh, along with being able to still support my passion for balloons deco agent that's a concept that I was not aware of and I really like it it does deco agent means that you basically do all the marketing for the entire of the USA that's correct well that's the idea anyway we are supposed to do the marketing for the entire USA and And in fact, we've gone international. Uh, we did a job in Tel Aviv recently. We also uh, sent one out to Sydney. We sent one out to London. So technically, we're an international company. Um, but yes, we do market uh, to the entire United States in, in some form or fashion. Wow. And do you also do a lot of jobs by yourself? I do. Because I'm a fairly new brand, um, I do still have to get out there and beat the street and do my own jobs. <laughs> cool. You've started as a balloon twister and have grown from it this to the deco world. Tell us a little bit about this transition. I did start as a balloon twister. Uh, I wanted to be a clown because I've always been a strange person. So I ordered the klutz kit off of Amazon and I learned how to twist balloons so I could have a shtick for my clown. And I was a clown for about two minutes and realized that I was not a clown. Uh, so I, I kept on twisting and then I became, um, gravely ill. I was literally on my deathbed and I had a very long recovery. Uh, and I just started buying two sixties in single colors. So I pulled those out and they sort of pulled me back to life during my recovery. Um, and, and then it was just game over. It was, I was a, a twisting machine and then realized that, Hey, if I'm already playing with these twisting balloons, I should probably play with some of these round balloons too. So I started doing both and I was doing decorating and twisting. Um, and then I, 
I did both for a long time. And then uh, I, I just moved over to Deco and, and sort of left the twisting uh, when I started this national company because there just wasn't time for me to twist anymore. From time to time, I'll still pull out my 260s and I still have everything. Um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm only a decorator now. And how many years did this process took, take? I think I'm either in my sixth or seventh year. I don't actually know. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so you, you've been around with the balloon industry. Um, you have uh, some some uh, digital downloads that you've released about the organics. And you, uh, have you ever did the organic on some like for something fancy or somewhere like that? As a matter of fact, I have. Uh, in addition to my my normal organic clients like the Washington Ballet, I've actually, uh, as a, a DC balloon artist, I have been in the White House twice uh, for the Obamas. I did organics. Uh, and the second time, we were asked back at the behest of the First Lady. And, uh, sometimes people, uh, uh, they kind of brag, justi justified to brag with this, but they brag about being in the White House, but actually they were asked to volunteer to work in the White House. How about you? I was not asked to volunteer. Uh, I was paid for my time both times, uh, and I was paid very well uh, both times that I was there. Well, this season is all about the other side and, and the, the stories that each of us has in their life that uh, affect the way that we do business or the way that we do balloons. And you have quite a fascinating uh, past life activity that changes the way that you look at things. So tell us a little bit about poker. Sure. Um, I, I decided that I was going to go to nursing school uh, several years ago. And I was going to move out to California. My mother was living in Northern California at the time. And so I quit my day job and was going to move to California. I quit my job on a Friday. And on Sunday, my brother called and said that they were pregnant. And I knew that that meant my mother was going to come back to the East Coast. Uh, and there went my nursing school plans. So I had to do something else. And uh, so I floundered around for a little bit, but uh, I was dating a guy at the time who was uh, playing poker all the time and taught me how to play, and it turned out that I was quite good at it. So I spent the next two years making my living as a poker player. And what does it mean to, 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 like to make a living as a poker player? How does your day-to-day -day look like? It looks very different day to day, which is the reason I am no longer a poker player. At the time, you could still play online poker, so I spent a lot of time playing online. And uh, I, I am mostly a tournament player, so I would find big tournaments and I would play in those. I played in the World Series of Poker several times. I played in the California Women's State Championship. I played the World Poker Tour, um, both in Jersey and Vegas. So it, it just depended on the day, but I was either playing poker online or I was in a casino somewhere, and, and that was every single day. It was a grind every day of my life. I imagine uh, like, there are some days that are good and days that are bad. And how do you cope with all of those, you know, feelings of excitement or disappointment? You end up quitting playing poker because the disappointment, the swings are so big. You know, you can be up several thousand dollars in literally a minute and you can lose even more in the next minute. The swings are just unreal. Um, so dealing with those feelings, I, I probably wasn't doing a great job of at the time, um, which is why I was a degenerate gambler sitting in a casino all the time. But uh, the, 
there's some things that the poker did for you which were to understand some aspects of business how often does it uh, happen to you that the poker and the experiences that you had uh, help you with what you do these days every day of my life uh, my poker experiences affect my life I am writing a book um, which is it, it's not the working title but basically it's everything that I learned in business I learned at the poker table and it's so true because poker is a game of skill a game of thinking a game of odds a game of return of investment um, it's microtransactions it's you know dealing with with people and negotiating with people and you know dealing dealing with what you've been dealt with Uh, basically so so it affects my life every single day because I'm doing those things every single day I'm negotiating I am sizing up the person that I'm talking to I am uh, making transactions and I am deciding if I should hang on to something or if I should let something go and if the odds are there for me to, to chase after it or, or to let it go right then and there so tell me an example of where maybe you're talking with a customer or maybe something happens in your negotiation with the customer and you actually actively think oh boy this is just like when in a poker I have this type of hand and they have that type of hand and like the actual experience for you is is poker oriented even though you're selling decor that's a great question So uh, particularly when it comes to organic and, and as the queen of organic, that's what I sell the most of. Um, and it's, it's a hard sell and people do not want to pay my prices. So it is as if, you know, I am holding pocket aces because I'm the queen of organic and they've got pocket sixes and there's no six on the board. And, uh, you know, they think that their sixes are good and they're going to keep running up against me. But unless they pay the price to, to chase that possibility of a six on the river, which doesn't make sense if you're not a poker player, if you are, you totally understand that, um, they're not going to get the opportunity to see my aces. I'm not going to show them my cards unless they pay to play. And what would be like not showing the cards? What would be the equivalent in the business side? Not working with them? Of me not showing my cards or them not yeah, showing their cards you. of me not showing my cards no I'm not I'm not going to work with them and I have no problem firing clients or not taking them on yeah that's something that I think in business in general is is so key to have that red line to have that ability to say no absolutely and I think that it's something that a lot of people lack in business because they have a lack mentality I do not have a lack mentality uh, I have an attitude of gratitude every day of my life and, and an abundance mentality and and you do have to draw that line in the sand because otherwise you're gonna you know leave your house for two hundred dollars and another client is going to try and book you for two thousand dollars and you can't because you took the two hundred dollar job because you didn't draw that hard line and you didn't say no do, do you ever have this feeling where you just uh just won the round and it was a huge round like the customer decided to take everything or something of that sort can you share with us a success story uh, with one of your customers like that absolutely I went all in with an event planner and the event planner and I you know we had a, a couple of discussions ahead of time and she said you know that she had an event that was going to be the biggest event of my life and it would be the most you know coordination that I've ever done and the most logistics and I'm thinking to myself yeah every event planner thinks that about their job whatever um, and I'm you know we're both putting chips into the middle of the table at this point and then she calls me back and tells me that it's the White House and oh okay so this really is the biggest job with the most logistics that I will ever have in my life and boom I won the pot I mean I I took all those and and there were other players at the table there were other people in my area you know who bid that job but I took that pot down and it was the biggest pot I've ever taken down in my business life nice 
so financially as well? Uh, no, I've actually had one job financially that was larger than that one. So it, it that uh, one, one of the one of the best, you Absolutely know, the second best. Yes, amazing. Yeah. So how do you how do you how do, how are you so motivated? Like you're full of energy. That's how you were also uh, were perceived in class as well. And you are, you know how to grind. You study so much. Uh, I know you read a lot of books. Where's the energy is coming from? Uh, the energy comes a, a lot from the fact that I've lost 142 pounds. There's also a lot of caffeine and a couple pack of cigarettes that go into that as well. Uh, but mostly it's probably the weight loss. And I'm just a motivated person. Uh, I always have been. And I've always been full of boundless energy. But uh, since losing 142 pounds, I've got even more. So tell, tell me, this is really interesting because some of us uh, have some weight problem in the state. In general, it's almost, I guess, an epidemic. How did you make up your mind on working on that? So that's a super personal question that I don't mind answering. Um, but just so you know, it's going to be a personal answer. Uh, my husband and I struggled with fertility. And uh, in order for us to have a baby, the fertility doctor basically wouldn't touch me with where my BMI was and said, you know, you need to make a change. So I decided to make a change because it was more important to me uh, to have a baby than it was to be able to eat carbohydrates. Wow. And so what uh, type of, like, is, was it a diet? What type of thing did you do to lose so much of your weight? Uh, so I, it's a, a multi-tiered approach. I follow, for the most part, a ketogenic diet. Not when I'm in Vegas, because calories don't count when you're in Vegas. Uh, but I mostly follow a ketogenic diet. I don't eat carbohydrates. I work out five days a week, sometimes more. I have completely changed my lifestyle. And I also had a gastric sleeve procedure. Um, so that, that also really helps when your stomach is the size of a walnut. But it is not easy. A lot of people have the, the misconception that, you know, surgery is the easy way out. And most people clearly never had surgery because it is not easy. And it will never be easy. But I decided if I needed to be on a diet for the rest of my life, I wanted to be on one that worked. Well, definitely. Uh, like I, I, we met before in Float and I couldn't recognize you at all, uh, which is amazing. And you also show me some picture and you've been doing an amazing job. You look fantastic. So uh, how do you feel in terms of like actually doing some, some deco walk or walking with balloons? Do you feel a huge difference? Huge is an understatement, and it's it's differences in ways that I I never would have imagined because I didn't realize how limited I was before. Just getting up and down off of you know the floor, just when you when you bend over to pick up duplets when you're blowing up a million of them, um, and getting up and down on the ladder. I never used to get on ladders, and now I don't ever share the ladder. That's my job. I get up on the ladder, getting up and down out of the cargo van. Just all of these things, and I can get jobs done uh, more quickly, more easily. I'm not winded. I don't care if we have to. take the stairs and these are all things that are that are new to me and it's an adjustment because this has just happened recently in the past 14 months um, basically I started my business I had surgery and I got right back to business again um, so I've, I've got two new things in my life I've got this new brand and I've got this new body that I'm, I'm still kind of getting used to and, and getting to know did it affect also your like ability to sleep better at night and stuff like that that can also af affect your your ability to focus better and or do you see uh, other ways that it improves your life Absolutely. I have way better clothes. My clothes are so much better now as a, a smaller person. The, the world is 
really open to me. Just ask my husband. He knows how much I've been spending on clothing. Um, but I do sleep better. I, I just do everything better. I can sit for longer and my joints don't hurt and I can walk and I can go up and down the stairs. I mean, there's just, there are so many things and it does help with the ability to focus. Um, which, you know, I always struggle with. I think every single one of us in the balloon industry struggles with it. You know, we, we all have shiny object syndrome. Um, but at least I'm able to, to be awake to do it and, and I can't sit still anymore. You can't keep me down. Whereas before I would sit down for long periods of time and you, you just can't, you can't stop me now. That's really, uh, really inspiring. And, and of course, you know, a very personal story of, and, uh, but one of overcoming hurdles in your life and, uh, using, um, you know, everything that you have within you from your past to, to be successful and successful you are. So thank you for sharing that story. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, digital downloads about organics? Like if someone never ever did any decor, will that be something that he should consider or should he first do something else? What do you think? I don't think anybody just starting out should consider organics at all. Anybody starting out with decor should learn the classic decor first. That is the fundamental. Those are the basics upon which the entire decor industry is built. If you can't build a spiral arch or a spiral column or, you know, the really basic stuff, you have no business doing any of the advanced stuff. That's my opinion. Um, I think it's a fairly popular opinion. I'm among decorators, but you need to know your basics first. Awesome. And so if you are already a decorator and you know your garlands, you know your columns, you know your arches and so on, um, how hard will it be uh, with the help of the digital downloads that you've produced uh, to go into decor? Hopefully it won't be very hard at all. Uh, I, I tried to be as, as clear as possible. I know a lot of people struggle with organic because they, they sort of have the OCD. We have been, you know, had our wrists slapped since we started doing deco that your balloons need to be the same size when you're building something. And so when it's not, it, it really kind of bothers people. Um, but hopefully in my downloads, uh, I have explained a way to, to sort of get around that and, and the way that it is still formulaic um, because there are designs and patterns and things that emerge in organic decor, but without the, the basic understanding, the basic, you know, design elements and principles, you're not going to be able to do a good job of it, regardless of how many videos you watch. Let me ask you something about organic that also uh, is interesting for me because I've been involved in a few designs that had the organics feel to them, and I was wondering about this. Do you insist on doing a few of the balloons double stuffed so that their color will be, you know, different and, and uh, it will have a range of colors on your projects or do you also do organics without the, the double stuffing? I, the only time I double stuff like literally is if there is a quick link that doesn't come in a color. For example, there are no coral quick links. So I will double stuff an 11 inch into a 12 inch quick link into a clear. And that's how I make coral quick links. Otherwise I don't double stuff. And if I do have a project upon or for which I need to double stuff, they are going to pay double because it takes double the product and it takes more time for me to do it. I, and I'm a Qualitex person and the Qualitex range of colors is so huge that there's no reason for me to double stuff. Fair enough. So how about sizes? Like, would you consider for your projects that you need, like, from five inch all the way up to three foot? Do you need all of them or, or, or it depends? 
it absolutely depends. Uh, it depends on the size of garland you're building. It depends on the project uh, completely. For a normal, you know, demi arch, um, and I call it a demi arch because if you call it a half arch, your client is only going to hear that they're getting half of an arch, and you want to charge how much for it? So I call it a demi arch. That's a little marketing tip. You're welcome. Um, but uh, so for a, a regular old demi arch, yeah, I'm going to use everything from five inch to three foot. If I'm making a huge garland, I'm I'm probably not going to use five inch balloons, but I am going to use three footers or larger. I'm also going to use sixteens and seventeens and lots of elevens. Um, and then, you know, some other stuff because I really like texture. So I like to throw in a lot of extra stuff in there. If it's a, you know, a tiny frame, I might only use five inch. So I think it's pretty project specific. And uh, how about colors? Like, can you think about your your uh, many projects of organics that you've already been through? What is the minimal amount of colors that you think will still give a good organic look? One. I've made monochrome that's beautiful and monochromatic is actually a lot easier to do because you don't have to randomize anything the way that you do with anything else um otherwise and i've done black and white that was just black and white and but i think that's kind of a special exception i think usually three to three to four colors but they have to be in in a good color palette they have to be you know complementary or like colors your hues have to be the same you know whatever whatever design element that is um they need to be close together for example using you know peach and magenta and rose and pink those all really complement each other well they're all in the same shade and they're all on the same side of the color wheel and they look great together but then there's something like black and white that's just good with black and white i would never do a blue and white organic without using different shades of blue or throwing some agates in there or using different um tones whether you know it's a pearl tone or a fashion tone or whatever um, i would never just do like a standard blue and white because they don't look good together it's too stark what what are the common mistakes that you see on some balloons uh, on pictures of people that's uh, organics and that you like you look at it and you say like oh I know exactly what's wrong with this in terms of color there's a lot um, I, I think that people they will a look at a Pinterest picture and, and think to themselves oh that's blush but it's not it's actually pearl peach or something like that so they, they kind of miss the mark when they're recreating a color palette that they've already seen uh, the other thing that I see is people using entirely too many colors with inappropriate colors mixed in if you're going to do a rainbow that's fine but you have to stay you know to your standard rainbow colors you can't throw black and brown in there because it's going to look terrible and there are some colors that are trendy that you think are going to look terrible together. Gray, tropical teal, and goldenrod, for example. I, I was ready to vomit, but it ended up looking beautiful together. So it also, it also just takes a natural artistic eye, and that's something you can't teach. That's something people either have or they don't. But, you know, generally speaking, if you know color theory, um, then you're going to put good-looking stuff together. But if you have a client whose colors are gray and maroon, you have to work within that. But you, you need to have the ability to, to make that look good. And, and that's done by using different shades of maroon and different shades of, you know, white and, and throwing some gray in there and, and using a little bit of your artistic license. So adding shades would be done by adding other colors that are formed that family of that specific color yes absolutely in that example we use you know sparkling burgundy and maroon and you know maybe even a magenta or two and gray and white and silver because silver and gray are fairly close together and by using silver you get a different finish which means you get some more texture and texture is really important and organic are you excited about the chrome You have no idea how excited I am about Chrome. I was actually in Wichita at the Pioneer headquarters when Chrome came out. 
so I was able to see actually no I was in LA it was right after I was in Wichita and so I was able to see the chrome in person before a lot of people did and it blew my mind it got me so excited about balloons in a way that I haven't been excited in years I cannot wait to be able to play with chrome it's actually waiting at home for me in DC right now while I'm stuck here in Vegas uh, I understand completely uh, Katie Ben, what if someone wants to check your digital downloads where should they go gumroad.com slash all about balloons I am also all over social media on Facebook Instagram uh, available by email phone you know whatever I can get it into the hands of anybody who wants it and your website again allaboutballoons.com That's quite a handy name and easy to remember, but just in case we'll put a link to that in the show notes of the balloonartistpodcast.com website so that people could check it out and maybe even see if, a picture of one of your organics. Would that be okay? Absolutely. Awesome. So that way you can see you know, some of the p- color plates that uh, Katie Byrne is so famous for. Uh, he, she, she just has a, a natural good taste. And you don't have to invent the wheel. There are people that already you know, uh, made some really good uh, suggestions, uh, like Katie, in her digital downloads. Katie Byrne, can you briefly just tell us about what you were teaching here in Twist and Shout? Absolutely. Uh, I had the, the very special privilege of teaching marketing and pricing uh, here at Twist and Shout, which is a really full circle for me because my very first balloon convention was Twist and Shout in St. Louis, and, and it was super meaningful for me. So to be able to come back as an instructor was an uh, unbelievable uh, compliment and uh, an honor. So uh, it was it was an amazing time. I got really good feedback on the class. I get really excited about marketing and I get really excited about pricing. And I think particularly for the Twister crowd, uh, it's something that, well, it's for any crowd, it's something that they need to hear and, and it's a constant fluid thing. So I was, I was really excited to be able to teach marketing and, and pricing. I think the topic of pricing is, is so important for the industry to study more about pricing because on the one hand, uh, in balloons, especially if you overpriced and you don't have the confidence and the ability to sell it later, you're going to probably lose the customer. But at the same time, if you underprice, you're going to get out of the business quite fast. So uh, you need to build your confidence and you need to build your your abilities and your marketing and, your, and at the end of the day also to have enough money for your family. So if you had to summarize your pricing lecture I'm asking for something quite impossible but if you had to summarize it what would you like how would you uh, explain the theory or the, the, the knowledge that you shared in this class basically not to sell yourself short to, to know your worth and to have the confidence to go out and charge it but in addition to knowing your worth you need to know what your expenses are and that was a big part of pricing is you need to know what money is going out so that you know how much you need to have coming in and without a, a really strong understanding of those numbers you're never going to get your pricing right and you also did some research uh, in preparation for this class uh, you did a survey uh, with um, over 50 balloon artists that uh, answered the survey and shared with you their pricing and like uh, people charge for for their uh, twisting services it was a, a twisting uh, service uh, type of survey uh, anything between uh, 50 and 400 bucks and uh, you also did the math of checking how much would a proper balloon bag would cost just something even minimal and how much all of the expenses of a business 
would be if they need to perf- to, to, to go out there and perform for eight working uh, hours every week and I, I, I was blown away by uh, the results about how much you need to charge in order to make uh, a living with certain uh, levels and, and others and um, did anyone uh, approach you after class about this to, to share with you how you opened up their eyes a lot of people approached me after class and I got a lot of thank yous and and a lot of people that I was surprised by because they're people that I thought had a better handle on things uh, who were who were, had their minds blown and their eyes open because they didn't consider all of the expenses and, and they just they thought they were doing okay with their hourly rate because they were taking so much in but they weren't accounting for their expenses and didn't realize just how many expenses they had so yeah I, I had a quite a few people I would say an overwhelming number in fact come up to me after and, and I also think that they have the confidence now to maybe raise their prices up. And they also have the tools with how to do that with their clients without alienating them. Yes. And I, I thank you myself because I feel like this topic is uh, strategic for the industry if we want it to be able to grow and to allow people to understand the value that Balloons has. The, this is like a team effort for everyone and uh, high tide lifts all ships so I want to thank you again for taking the time of uh, doing this and sharing with us your story and let's have some fun this is the last night in uh, Vegas in in, uh, in the convention so thank you so much thank you so much for having me Zibi this was a lot of fun and I, I really enjoyed speaking with you and uh, thanks thanks for having me cool see you next week in the Balloon Artist Podcast I hope you've enjoyed the interview with Katie Byrne. This is going to be quite a ride this season with a lot of interesting interviews that will blow your mind, a lot of golden nuggets. I want to keep it as valuable as possible. So I only want to ask you just one thing, and that is if you've enjoyed this, find the time, come stop and say hello in the Balloon Artist Facebook group and let me know how are you enjoying Season 6. See you guys next week on the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, Zivi Kivi here in Season 6, Chapter 2, and this is the tip section. And today's tip is about a book called The 5 Second Rule by Mel Robbins. This is very easy to hear, and it includes just a very useful tool that I'm going to summarize here and now. You can also see this on YouTube and like I'm not going to ruin the experience for you. Uh, you should still read the book, but this rule is just so simple that maybe it will bring you some value in your life. So it's a rule to make you do stuff that you are not feeling like doing. For example, maybe, you know, not eating something in a diet or going out on a run or just calling, making that phone call for that uh, lead or for that prospect and, and you know, just uh, overcome your, your own self when you're slowing yourself down and get, get some courage. So the rule goes like this. You simply count down five, four, three, two, one, and then force yourself to move towards the new decision towards doing what it is that you want to do and consider to do. And by counting down five, four, three, two, one, go. And doing that something 
your brain acts in a certain way, the prefrontal cortex actually awakens and allows you to stop worrying and stop inventing reasons why you shouldn't do that specific thing. So, you know, you can use that rule to work on your business. You can decide, make the decision of making that phone call, of, of making that, that face-to-face meeting, or even of going to the balloonartistcollege.com website and giving a try for one of our free courses or one of our paid programs. See you next week, guys, in the Balloon Artist Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, go!